0: morning. Well, my heart's about to explode this morning. I've got good news, folks. Why are we here? Not for me. I've got good news, and it's the name of someone who called you before the foundation of the world... It's the name of someone who gave every ounce of his life in exchange for yours. It's the name of someone who is the only begotten of of he who created you. And his name is Jesus. The Bible says that we're to go in all the world and preach the gospel. And when you look at the old language or the original language from which that word gospel comes, it is rendered from a word that means good news. And we're talking about a mission conference, and we're talking about people that go and spread the good news. How many of y'all really feel or think or understand or receive that it is good? In spite of circumstance, folks, this is good. In spite of anything that would buffet your attitude. In spite of any circumstance that would try to mock and mire your ability to move forward in what God's called you to do. He's good. Hallelujah. His name is Jesus. It's good news this morning. And we're here for him. Amen. We're here for the father to whom he brought all glory. And we're talking about worship. And we've been on a series for a little bit to just discover a few things about worship And so I'm going to take the next two weeks and bring some perspectives. I'm going to put my gum right there. Don't let me forget about it. Anyway, praise the Lord. I tell you what, it just stirs my heart to think about Jesus this morning. To think about one whose life was given in exchange for mine, and mine not being deserving. If you look at the, at the, uh, net worth, but he chose that I deserved him. Amen? Hallelujah. And he chose that you deserved him. So we're talking about worship, and I'm going to begin a series this morning called The Heart of the, of the Matter. The Heart of the Matter. Worship. The Heart of the Matter. And so to get into this, folks, I only looked at one portion of Scripture and the Holy Ghost just unraveled and unveiled to me multitude of revelation. And so is everybody ready this morning to receive the bread? Hallelujah. Forget about the vessel. You know, people had problems with Jesus back in the day. Because why? Because people so often put their eyes and their ears and the sense of what they're receiving through their sense realm, and they get they get mired up with the vessel. Don't get mired up with the vessel, folks, whether you agree with me or not on most points, whether you think I've got too much of a country draw or not as much as Chris. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I think Chris actually beat me on that, that video. Let's just choose to plug into the anointing, hallelujah, this morning. Amen. I got one. Amen. Praise the Lord. Father, we're grateful to you for all the ability that we have by the Holy Spirit and Holy Ghost. I yield my members unto you that you would anoint them. And I know you've gifted me, oh God, to do that and to bring the word of God. And it's unto your glory, oh God, that we would unseat the oracles of God this morning. That we'd bring forth the truth unabated, O oh God, unmolested, untouched, Lord God, by the flesh, by the soul, Father God. That it would have full potency, Lord God. That by the Spirit of God, it would prove every burden, Father God, destroy every yoke, Father, in its hearing. And I just thank you for divine revelation, Holy Spirit, that only you bring because you're the teacher. And I just thank you for just opening up And delivering to people, Father God, revelation, understanding, enlightenment this morning. To those that would have ears to hear, let him hear in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody repeat this with me. I'm spirit first. I'm created in the image of my heavenly Father. I am spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. You know, that's our confession. I feel like the Lord has asked me to kind of be the flagship, if you will, of of the ministry that the Lord often brings, uh, at least chooses to bring when I deliver the word a lot of times. It's always a focus on spirit, or it ends up finding a way back to the spirit so oftentimes. And uh, I believe that the reason for that is because the Lord wants to deliver the raw reality to you that you are spirit first before you're anything else. Hallelujah. And when we're talking about worship, we're talking about an essence of spirit. We're talking about a function, a form, and an ability, and an occurrence of things in the spirit realm to a spirit, Father God. Amen? And so let's just get into Scripture this morning. Turn over to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. And you know, about two weeks ago, we had a panel... On worship, and there were some very good points that were brought out. This was one particular point that was brought out, a point of scripture. John chapter four, verses 19 through 24. This is the occurrence or the story of the woman at the well. So let's hear what the scripture says this morning. Listen to what this says. Sir, the woman replied, I see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, yet you Jews say that the place to worship is in Jerusalem. Verse 21, Jesus told her, Believe me, woman, an hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know because salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming and is now here. Everyone say, and is now here. So is he talking about now? At least at that point in time and every point forward? Yes, that's right. An hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers, everybody say true worshipers. Yes, we're talking about something that exceeds what we had known before. That's what Jesus is he's supplanting a, a concept of who a worshipper is with someone else a true worshipper and he says an hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in truth yes the father wants such people to worship him god is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth so let's just spend a little bit of time here and i believe you're going to be quite surprised at how much revelation is in this scripture how much we're going to learn this morning and it's all glory unto god and what the holy spirit was able to bring through my uh uh, application to this my my narrow my shallow application and it's wonderful hallelujah so let's talk about what this what this uh, story is really revealing here there's many many things here being brought forth but let's focus in on what we are talking about, and we're talking about worship. And so what happens here in these verses in particular, 19-24 through 24 of John chapter 4, is that Jesus is really revealing the true essence of worship. I think that, you know, of all the places that we should start, if we're going to talk, start talking about something, don't you think that Jesus' opinion is a pretty good place to start? Absolutely. Let's start with what Jesus had to say about something, folks. Let's don't reinvent the wheel. Let's go right to the living Word of God and let's get the bread there. Hallelujah. And so let's see what the Word of God says about worship. He reveals to this scripture, folks, many things. The first of which is the who of worship. The who. We're going to talk about the who, what, where, and why. That's a typical... Uh, a process by which you explore something you explore a a question and you're trying to answer and gain information about something and you always start out with a who what where and why and you maybe put a how in there sometimes well let's start about the who what where and why and i submit to you this morning that jesus he delivers through this interaction with the samaritan woman a concept of worship who what where and why and it's a whole new thing So let's start and see what Jesus had to say about this subject. The first thing is the who. And I will say that the who is actually two parts. It's an object and a subject. So the who of worship here that Jesus is bringing forward is actually a concept of both subject and object. But because we're talking about the one who is greater than all, let's start with the object of worship first. Then we'll move to the subject. So the object of the who, if you will, two part who, father, the father God. Notice what it says in uh, verse 21 or verse 23. An hour is coming and it's now here when the true worshipers will worship the, come on everybody, the father. Notice it doesn't stay. We'll worship God. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? It says we'll worship the, the Father. If we're going to learn about worship from Jesus' perspective, and I think he knows just a little bit more about worship than we do, folks, and when he's iterating to this Samaritan woman the process of worship and changing her paradigm here, he illustrates right off the bat the object of worship, and it is the Father. The object of worship The who, if you will, the object, the who. Father, it's not God, capital G, it's Father, capital S. This reveals the true nature of worship. Stems from relationship, folks. When you get right into the essence of what worship is from an action perspective, it's something that manifests as a result of relationship. Because when we talk about father as an object, that is signifying a relationship that the the who subject, that is the worshiper, is in with. Do you see that? Oh my goodness, we're going to learn some things this morning. We're going to learn some things, amen? Talking about worship, we're talking about the who, what, where, and why, and Jesus is the one that brought all this out. And I've got to tell you that this the object, the who, if you will, as far as an object of our worship, is not just God. It's the Father God. That's what he says here, folks. I did not make this up. This is in my Bible. I hope it's in yours. If it's not, you need to throw it away and get a different one because it ain't right. Amen or me. And I just gotta say again, folks, that when Jesus is talking about worship here, to say the Father in this concept, it really is revealing that worship stems from an avenue or foundation of relationship. Relationship. But you know what? It's not just any relationship. It's family. It's family. So when we're talking about Jesus' concept of worship, he's talking about something that comes from a familial relationship. Father. What it doesn't get any more, you know, you know, rudimentary in family relationship than father. My father, my dad. Hallelujah. So let me ask you some questions. You know, I'm a teacher by motivation, and so... I, how I teach is by asking questions. We have some teachers in the room. Do you ask a few questions? Sure, sure. You ask questions on tests. Most people don't enjoy that concept of teaching, but you've got to see if people are listening to you. There's going to be a test at the end of this. Not really. So let me ask you a question. Do you know whom you worship this morning? Jesus said to the Samaritans, or to the Samaritan woman, he said, you Samaritans don't really even know what you worship. But don't just look at me cross-eyed. Look back in the scripture and see where it says that. It says that. He says, you Samaritans, in verse 22, worship what you do not know. We're talking about worship this morning, the who, what, where, and why, and Jesus' revelation to the Samaritan woman about the concept of worship that would supplant everything that she had known before. And here he is talking about worship stemming from the relationship aspect of a child to his or her father. But then he's talking about the the reason here is that you need to know who and what it is that you worship for. And he's telling her that you Samaritans don't know that when it comes right down to the final analysis. And I could go into some aspects of the history of Samaritan people and Jewish history and so forth, and there would be some revelation that would probably be brought forth there, but I just don't have time to do that right now. Suffice it to say, the Samaritans had blended the concepts of things that were originally handed down through the covenant with idolatry. They had blended some of the concepts. They they hung on to the Torah and they were very lockstep with that. They hung on to the the worship of God, but because of the nature of their their basically intermingling of other natures of, of other nations, there were some other concepts brought in that weren't right. And so because of that, you know, it ends up confusing matters. And so Jesus is telling them, you Samaritans don't know what you worship. So I ask you again, do you know whom you worship? Who is God to you this morning, folks? Is he your father? If we're going to, let's just get that out of the way. We're talking about worship. We're talking about learning about how we can enter into a deeper, more meaningful, full experience of worship and I have to ask you this morning, you have to go ahead and get this out of the way. Get this settled. Do you even know who it is that you worship? Who is God to you? Is He your Father? It's a very important question to ask here. So let me just move on and say, maybe He is your Father. Maybe He is your Father, but you don't worship Him as such. In other words, you have a concept and a knowledge and an information perspective of God as, yes, He's also my Father, but He's also God. And when you approach Him in worship, you don't approach Him from a father, daughter, or son aspect. You approach him from a sovereign God aspect. And I, if I had to poll everyone in this room, I would say the lion's share of people in this auditorium, much less when we get out to the, to the lion's share of the people of the body of Christ that comprise the body of Christ and the church in general, their concept will be the worship of a sovereign God above anything else. And I'm not telling you folks that God isn't sovereign. I'm telling you folks that it goes deeper than that. I'm telling you that if you're going to enter into what Jesus concept of worship is and the true power, it is of relational aspects. Who is God to you? Maybe he is your father, but you don't worship him as such. Do you focus solely on a sovereign God? Or do you see a father who loves you unconditionally and has given his all for you to be his child? Do you worship from that aspect this morning? Just think about that. Just think about that. So we worship from a position of familial relationship. And really when you get down to the final analysis and you look at Christianity when compared to all other religions, this is one of the many areas that separates it. Because when you see all the other religions and how they approach worship, there's not a relationship there. It's the sovereign God in, that's so far infinitely above everything, and He's not really here with us, but we do everything we can to pour out and grovel, and make our way to Him, and hope that His, we would entreat of His merciful dispensation on our behalf. But in this case, we see Jesus is saying, when you worship, you worship the father that implies so many things folks i don't i and i fully understand well i don't understand those of you all that do not that did not have a father i don't understand that i'm gonna i'm gonna fully admit that to you today i had a wonderful father have a wonderful father so i can't relate to folks that did not have a good father or perhaps they don't even know their father this morning And I'm sorry, but I gotta tell you, though, by the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, you can come into a knowledge of what it means to have a Father. One who is selfless, one who gave his all. Hallelujah. For relationship with you. And it's Him that we're talking about this morning in worship, the object of worship. So I've gotta ask you again, let's end this subject and talk about, or ask you a question. Whom do you worship? You can just pause and think about that. So let's talk about the who from a perspective of subject now. We've talked about the object of worship, but how about the worshiper, the subject of worship? The people that are doing the worshiping, if you will. Well, it's people. It's people. You know, and the thing is, and what you see Jesus talking about to this Samaritan woman, is that the worship. The worship concept applies to all who are His, not just to the chosen. Amen? You see Him talking about this, that there is no longer going to be this separation concept of who it is that really is the chosen and the elect and the covenant children of God. You know, and being the only ones that worship God from a perspective of the original chosen, talking about Jewish people here, the nation of Israel. We're talking about anyone that would come into a covenant with God through Jesus would then become adopted as sons and daughters and could have the Father God's concept of Him as Father. Hallelujah. The reality of God's relationship as one of a father. So it is people... And it applies to everyone. And really, when you talk about worship, and if you go back to the Old Testament and you see, you can just come back through many of the stories and the things that are brought forth there that apply to worship. And and so much of it was based on on uh, ritual and based on, on things that seemed like from the natural perspective, and, and as far as men and women were concerned, they began to just look at that process, and the process became worship. Versus the, the object, which was God and the whole purpose for why they're doing it. And the worship became a process and not a, a, an endpoint, not something to seek in terms of the presence of God. And really though, when you see it though, why did God institute all that? He instituted it for one reason, because he was trying to establish his covenant with people. And covenant is the basis of relationship with God, folks. A covenant is the great exchange of everything that is mine, if you'll enter into this relationship, is yours. And everything that is yours is mine. But before Jesus, folks, there had to be processes that were instituted that kept men and women from being consumed before the presence of God. Because their sins were not expunged. Their sins were not forgiven. They were covered every year once a year through the actions of atonement but they were not forgiven folks they did not have the righteous one and nature thereof inside of them having been recreated a new creature and so because of that there had to be a lot of process and things that men just turned into nothing more than ritual and put the focus on the rituals and not on the subject and it was because of covenant that God established all that because he wanted to get up in everybody's business from a good perspective. He wanted to be able to give them everything that he wanted to give them, to have an ability to manifest his presence before him. But because there hadn't been a a uh, the great exchange if you will from a right the perspective of righteousness, he God had to be careful lest we be consumed. Amen. And I gotta tell you, there's so many places to go here. David pushed the limits. David's heart was one that it don't matter, God, put me as a pillar before your presence. David saw to the one who would then become his redeemer. He, as far as he was concerned, in a faith perspective, he, he was credited that, as it was Abraham. He was credited a a standing that allowed him to operate and minister before the presence of God in the manner that halfway got to a better potential of where God wanted to get with us, and that was to become come up inside of us, folks, the temple of God. Not in one made of human hands, but in one that he constructed. Hallelujah. And that's your body. Man, come on, folks. There's no one in here hooked up with me this morning. I'm talking some marvelous things here this morning. Some stuff that will change your life. Hallelujah. Forget the vessel and let's focus on the message, okay? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Okay. And so when you look at verse 23, let's read what it says. But an hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. You see the word true here. And if you look at the word true from the original language, it's not just any old true. It's the thing that is, that is not in name or resemblance only. Have you ever seen something and it looks good, but once you finally get down to seeing, tasting, touching it, it's like, eh, it's not everything that it looks like. It's faulted. It's messed up. Something is not everything that, you know, how many times have I looked at a cake or a pie or something, something, that I that I like that looks appealing to me, and then when you get into it, it's only about thirty percent of enjoyment, and the rest of it is just vain calorie. Where's my brother? That's the PhD in hotel management and everything. He's not in here this morning. He knows what I'm talking about. You can make something look really, really good, and when you get right down to the final analysis, and that is, you know, the the proof of the pudding's in the eating. And you eat some of it, it's like yeah, that didn't have everything I thought it would have to it. Hallelujah. Well, i got to control myself this morning. So true means not in name or resemblance only, but the real essence as opposed to that which is imperfect, defective, frail, or uncertain. Man, that's good. Talking about the true worshipers. And i got to end with this part with a question. I'm going to end every one of these with a question. Are you this morning a true worshiper? Are you one that is just a figment or a resemblance of something that when you get down to the final analysis, it don't taste too good? In other words, is there an authenticity? Is there a non-pretensive move and position of yourself before God in, in, in your desire to meet Him in this act that we call worship? In this relationship expression that we call worship? Worship? So let's move into the what we're talking about the who what where and why of worship jesus words here the woman of the will So the what What the what of worship? It's really worship Redefined when you talk get right down to it and jesus makes plain here that the worship That he was talking about would had nothing more to do with what they had known before Very plain to see that if you read that scripture and you read it just even literally. It has nothing more to do with what they had known before. This is something new. This is something different. This is true worship. So it had nothing more to, to do with what they knew. It had nothing more to do with their doctrine. It had nothing more to do with their opinion about things. It would have nothing more to do with their knowledge, with their process, or even their position. It didn't make a difference anymore because all who would come to Him... As a child could worship him. Amen. Hallelujah. So, what about style of worship? Well, we're going to get into a deep, dark subject this morning. What about style? Does it matter? Does it matter that we have electric guitars and a bass and we've got a full-on rhythm section with a keyboard and good Hammond B3 back behind it and wonderful uh, uh, vocals and everything that's going on, man, to support that atmosphere, to drive the atmosphere and the energy? Does it matter that it's everything stripped off this stage and we come in one voice singing a hymn of praise unto the Lord and Savior? Does it matter this morning what style has to do with worship? It does matter. It matters to everyone sitting in this room. You know where it matters? Right there. In the old peanut brain. It matters. Because just like food, you've got tastes. You've got smells. You've got... You know, some people are texturally challenged with food. It ain't the taste, it's the texture. I don't understand those people just don't understand them. That doesn't make me better, I'm just different, I guess. How can you not like pecans? Coconut. Tapioca. People right there, I heard some groans, it's because it's texture. It's like tasting some slimy snot stuff. You take a warm cup of hot tapioca, oh my goodness put a little sprinkle of nutmeg on there? I'm starting to sweat. (laughs) Does it matter the style, folks? Yeah, it does to everyone's soul. But let me ask you a question this morning. Can you overcome the potential wall that your demand for a certain process through which worship be rendered? Can you overcome that? in order to meet with your father. I got to tell you this morning, it doesn't matter what kind of house my father lives in, I'm going to go and get up in his house and go visit him. I don't care whether he cuts the grass so perfectly you can get out with a micrometer and measure the level thereof, or he lets it grow up full of weeds and Johnson grass and look like just an old redneck hillbilly. It doesn't matter. That's my father. I'm going to go visit him because I love him. It doesn't matter the package. You know what my dad smells physically? That don't keep me from loving him. Now listen to me. Take, now listen to me now. God don't smell. We all know that. I'm just saying, what is it? I'm asking rhetorical questions here this morning. What is it that would inhibit you from meeting with your Father through this experience we call worship? Is it style? Is it style? Is it volume? Well, I'm going to leave that alone. So again, the worship Jesus presents here is an extension and expression of relationship. It's an extension an expression of relationship. I got to leave this up. Bible. And so when you look back at verses 23 and 24, Jesus really reveals that true worship would be in spirit and in truth. So let's just look back there verse 20, let's just read the last one there, 24 God is spirit And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. These are not the same things, folks. Or else he would have just said one thing. There's no need to say them both if they mean the same thing. So there's some wonderful aspects that we can learn about here from Jesus' concept of worship that was to supplant everything else up to that point in time and be what we are in now in terms of our relationship to the Father and our experience of that relationship through this through this thing that we call worship. He said that they that worship Him worship in spirit and in truth. So let me ask you this question then. What does it mean to worship in spirit then? What does it mean to worship in spirit? I'll just give you my opinion and what seems right in my heart. To me it means that real worship occurs in and through and by the spiritual dimension. Real worship. If you're going to get right down to it, you have to access the dimension of the spirit in order to have that connection made for worship, through worship. it's absolutely the truth. That's what Jesus is meaning here. He said that the Father God is, he's spirit. And if you're going to contact him, if you're going to relate with him, if you're going to worship him, you must worship him in Spirit. What did we just get through confessing some 20 minutes ago? I am spirit first. Do you see why it's so important that we talk about that all the time? Because here's the reason. Because we walk around with the five senses leading us around like a ring in a bull's nose going everywhere that those senses give us input. And we stay completely in the soul realm most of the time, in the flesh realm, and we hardly ever give any attention to the reality of who we were first, and that is spirit, the essence of our Father and Creator who is spirit. And so if we're going to truly worship Him, we've got to get past the peanut brain. We've got to get past the dynamic and the volatility of the emotions. We've got to get past... This sack of meat. And we've got to get in the Spirit to contact Him. We've got to crack the dimension, folks, so that we can manifest by faith the realities that are already around us, folks, into this dimension. And if you don't believe me, you go back into the Second Kings and you go look at some things back there. I can give you a story about the prophet Elisha who had his servant with him. And there was a potential because a kingdom was arrayed against him to come and snatch him away. And he told the servant, because the servant said to him, well, after beholding the army before him, so, but Master, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? i got to ask you this morning, is there anyone sitting in this congregation that is asking that question? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Look at what we're faced with. Look at the enemy that is arrayed around us. It's so much greater than anything that I have to offer. It's so much more powerful than me as an individual person. But i got to tell you this morning that the prophet said, oh, God, open up his eyes. And when he opened up his eyes, what did he see? You know what he saw? He saw into the Spirit. And he saw that those that were with him were far greater than those against him. Oh my goodness, he looked up on the hills and he saw angels ten feet tall up there with their bows and arrows. He saw down around the the valley before them arrayed around that enemy scores and scores and scores of soldiers that had far exceeded the number of the physical dimension that was arrayed against them. And i got to tell you, by way of the Spirit of God this morning, it's no different for anyone sitting in this room right now. And if I could go and just snap my fingers and open up our eyes to us, for us to be able to behold the reality of the spiritual dimension and even God's presence that is a right now reality, I would do it in a heartbeat. Because once you've got a glimpse and a taste of that, you would never be the same. You would never perceive the things of God the same because you'd realize this is real. Oh my God, this is real. Oh my God, this is real. My heart is about to just explode this morning. Yes, it's real. That's why we worship. That's why we worship, because it's real, folks. They that are for us are far, 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 far more than those that are against us. Hallelujah. And even if it wasn't the they, it's the Him. Because He's far above everything. All name and all power that's ever been in this dimension. Oh my goodness, folks. We're going to get to the end one day. And it says that he who caused all this trouble will be brought before the elect. And it says that we're going to behold. And we're going to say, is this the one? Talking about the devil now. Tony, I'm going to be standing right with you. Potentially. And we're going to look and go, is that the one that caused all this problem? Is that the one that 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 arrayed circumstances that buffeted me every time I tried to make a step forward in the king for the kingdom's purpose? And the reason why you're going to go is this to one, it's because you're going to do this right here. Because all of a sudden, perspective will be brought crystal clear. And that is the perspective of the Father who is far above all things. Hallelujah. Who is more powerful than anything. Who exists for eternity in His mercy. Who desires and delights in that mercy more than judgment. And even now His heart is beating for the manifestation of His grace in our midst even now to draw us unto Him. Closer and closer and closer. And what is the process that does that? It's worship. It's worship. Oh my goodness. So you have to worship in spirit. That's where we were at. Man, we got off on some stuff there. So this means that real worship occurs in and through the spiritual dimension. This means that real worship occurs in and through the spiritual dimension. I'm going to say it one more time. This means talking about to worship in spirit and truth, it means that real worship occurs in and through the spiritual dimension. And if you want to just redefine really what worship is, I'm going to give you a definition right now. It's connection with the Father God who is spirit and exists in the spirit realm. It's connection. It's connection. Listen to what Hebrews 11.6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I don't know about you folks, but that scripture very plainly tells me that I don't come to God unless I believe that he is. And that there is going to be a capitulation of relationship. Back and forth. If I do, then that's lunacy. If I come not expecting that God's going to do anything, that he's not going to respond, then why do I worship? Because there's no reason for it. Oh, come on, folks. We're selfish people. We're selfish people. We need God. We need what He has, folks. So when you come to Him through worship, you come to Him by faith. Just like Romans, or Hebrews eleven six 6 says, you come to Him by faith. Because without that, folks, you don't come believing that He is. You've got to come in a concept of knowing, yes, my Father's a spirit. Yes, He exists in the spirit realm, but guess what? I'm a spirit. My spirit is in that spirit realm as well. Right now, as I sit here now, yes, my spirit is in the same dimension as the Father God. So then what the question becomes is, how do I make the connection? How do I make that connection? How do I I, I put the fo- Well, what you do is you fo- you get the focus off of all of this, and you get it down into here where your spirit's at. And you, you, you constantly, and every time this comes up to bring the storm, you come back down in here and go, no, 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 my father's a spirit. I'm a spirit. I'm contacting the spirit realm by way of my spirit because of my own decision. And you got to keep doing that over and over and over again. And the more you do that, the easier it will become. You'll make the quick connection so much more quickly the next time. So it works from your heart, talking about worshiping in spirit. It works from your heart, your inner person, working through the other members of your body, your soul, your body. And when you look at Ephesians 5.18, listen to what it says. It says, "...and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for the all things unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ." We're talking about worshiping in spirit and in truth. And the essence of a lot of our activity from a corporate perspective is what Ephesians, Paul lays out in Ephesians 5.18. Folks, we need to be coming together, speaking to ourselves. We need to be coming together, being filled in the spirit by speaking to ourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And you want look at the old language of where some of those words came from. Things like psalm actually comes from a word that means to strum. So guess what? It has to do with stringed instruments. But then when you get to the end of it, it talks about making melody in your heart to the Lord. It's the same word. And it's talking about literally a strum and a frequency that your heart emanates before the presence of God. Making melody is returning the frequency that God has ordained for you to, be, to vocalize to Him. So when you talk about worship, you're talking about returning to Him that which He created in you for His good pleasure. That's what worship is all about. It's coming together. And then when you get all those streams together in a corporate setting, oh my goodness, folks. Oh my goodness, the anointing, the result is so much more powerful. It's multiplied. It's multiplied. So when you get right down to it, folks, worship is returning unto God what you have been created to bring. And you know what? Everybody here has got a different frequency. Everybody here has got a frequency that God's ears have to want to hear. It's like, oh, that's pleasing to me. I haven't heard that for a while. How many of y'all have ever heard a song that used to impact you and you go 15, 20 years and you don't really hear that song and then all of a sudden it comes up on the radio and you're like, oh my goodness, I forgot all about this song. It has such an impact. It brings memories back to you. Is anybody with me this morning? Also, worshiping in the Spirit means simply this. It's not simple. Because there ain't nothing about the Holy Ghost that we can put in a box. You know what it means? It means we worship by the Holy Ghost. He helps us. He helps us to worship. So when He says you worship Him in Spirit and in truth, He's not just talking about the the Spirit, little s. He's also talking about the Spirit, capital S. The Holy Spirit who is the one that was sent... Uh, along us to help the one who's sent within us to be the down payment of our inheritance of things to come the one who is sent to bring power and grace on your behalf to do things you can't do of yourself and guess what he's the one that can help strum those strings of your heart strum them just the right way strum them with skill strum them with application that brings an unabated unabashed perspective of love returned unto your father that's what worship is about. Philippians 3.3, 3, if you don't believe me, take Paul's word for it. For we, in the Amplified says, for we, we being Christians, are the true circumcision who worship God in spirit little s and by the Spirit of God capital S. There it is right there. There it is right there. The Holy Ghost helps us to worship. And if you don't believe me, then what ends up happening, and th- this is kind of self-evident because the things of the, the nine gifts of the Spirit have to do with delivering the anointing of God, not to yourself, but to your brothers and sisters that have needs to be met. But how often is it that the nine gifts of the Spirit, which are decided as the Father wills and are, and are brought forth through the energy and activation of the Holy Ghost within a vessel that will yield himself or herself to him, is brought within the context of, guess what? Worship. Worship. So, whenever I've seen the whole, I've seen the nine gifts of the Spirit flow more readily in a context of corporate worship than I have any other context. They just flow readily. Why? Because the Holy Ghost is, He's there. You're yielding members to be, to be served and to serve His, His ability through us, to people, because it's all relational. You want to understand the importance of relationship? The importance of relationship is very simply this, folks. God, has to do everything that he does, more times than not, through people. He doesn't do it of his own sovereign act very often, folks. He does it always, most always, through people. And if you choose as a person to not have relationship, you literally cut off the flow potential of God's provision to people. You want to know how important it is to love? Like Jesus said, this commandment I give you, this new one I give you that replaces all other... What is he talking about? He's talking about loving other people as yourself. And the reason for that is it's not the love of Phileo. It's the love that God was sheds abroad in your heart through the Holy Ghost. And the reason for it is because it allows you to have an unabated potential to release the power of God into people through your connection with them. And that connection is called relationship. So as much as we're going to sit and refuse to have relationship, and I've got to tell you though, let's take the wraps off of it. Uh, So many of us have the wrong perspective of relationship. We don't have the right perspective. And we need to ask the Holy Ghost to lead us in this. But you've got to open your heart in order to let the flow of God's mercy and His, His grace into people. And it comes through relationship, folks. Just like our needs are met, guess what? In relationship to the Father, guess how? Through the process of worship so oftentimes we're making the connection to the, that provision. We're making the connection by relationship. Father, 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 father. Amen? The countdown clock has struck zero. I'm just about done, handsome Johnny. That's an, that's an inside joke. He gave, me, he gave me his contact on his phone and he said, just put handsome Johnny in there. <laughs> he is a handsome guy though, man, Johnny. <laughs> to worship in truth now. We've talked about worshiping in spirit, to worship in truth. What does that mean? It's very simple. We worship from a genuine personal desire and not just a religious observance. The act of worship has nothing to do with religious observance. It It should have everything to do with your desire to reach out and connect to your Father. That's where it comes from. That's where it comes from. That's where it should come from. It also means that it would no longer, and this kind of seems like some of the same thing, but I've got to say it in a different way, it would no longer be a process of service. Up to that point, so much of what the act of worship was, was more a process of service unto God than it was a a manifestation of relationship with Him. And it's not based on facts. You want to talk about truth, we're not talking about facts. And everybody's going to look at me cross-eyed, except those of you all that have heard this before. People say, well, facts are truth. Nope. Nope. Facts are subject to change. Truth never changes. The fact that you may sit here with an ailment or sickness in your body is exactly that. It's a fact. Because you know what the truth is? The truth is that Himself bore your sickness and carried your pains. And the potential for the anointing to manifest that truth is only as simple as your ability to believe it. Man, somebody, a few people got excited on that. I guess there are not very many people who need healings here this morning. So we're worshiping in truth. That means we're not worshiping based on facts. We're not worshiping based on what Fox News tells us. We're not worshiping based on what MSNBC tells us or any other uh, news so- source. We're worshiping based on what the good news says, folks. Hallelujah. And the good news tells me that I who was once dead in my sins and in my iniquities have been raised together with him and made alive in him. Hallelujah. And if I'll focus upon that, I'll be just like what Paul said. I'm singular in this one thing. Forgetting those things that are behind, I press on to the mark. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Paul was a man who had a lot of things going on in his life, but i got to tell you what, he had this one thing, this one thing, this one thing, and that was it. Forgetting those things that are behind. I press on to the mark. And you know what? So many of us don't press on to the mark because we're too embroiled in the things that are behind. I heard someone say, man, there's a strong anointing. I can't stop, folks. If you need to leave, you can go ahead and leave. But I, I... I heard someone say once that with respect to a way, the quickest way that you can kill a man's or a woman's vision is to give them two. And you know, that means a lot to me. I had to stop and, and do the Selah, you know, stop and pause and think about that. Because that didn't immediately hit me. Wait just a minute here. I can have more than just one thing I can focus on. No, 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 no. We're talking about Vision. Vision is the overarching reason and purpose for your existence. And the quickest way to kill that is to get you to give you two of them. And we're going to talk about this next week, so it kind of segues into next week a little bit. But the reason why most of us sit here with just a, 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 a you know a limited and narrow and shallow perspective and result from worship is because we have too many things that we're focused on in our heart. We've got a divided heart. We've got a hardened heart, folks. We've got a heart that doesn't mean that it's full of sin. We've got a heart that has too many other focuses besides the one, our Father God. That's what we're going to talk about next week. So let's just quickly finish this up. The where, the who, what, where, and why of worship. The where, it's not physical but spiritual. We talked about that. Jesus announces that worship will become an expression of the Spirit. So the context for true worship is a spiritual one. We've talked about that. So the place of worship then, really, when it comes down to this, when he's telling the woman at the well, woman, a time's coming, it's now come when you're not going to worship on this mountain, you're not going to worship on this mountain, but you're going to worship the true worshipers, you're going to worship with true worship in Spirit and in truth. And so what that means is, really, to me, it means that the place of worship is the place where one decides to focus on God. You could be up in the middle of the bathroom. You could be in the bathtub. You could be up at Walmart working wherever you work, whether it's, you know, putting new apples up on the stand or whatever. You could be at work behind a computer that you feel like you're slave to because it's just one project, focus after the next that you have to try to figure out where you're going to get the money for. And you're sitting there going over all this stuff and you can take that moment from that step back and just think about God. And that's worship. Worship is the place where you stop to make a decision to focus on God. Does that register a thing in one's heart this morning? The place of worship is the place where one decides to focus on God. Man, that's a good good tweet. So i got to ask you the question, where do you worship? So now the why, and we'll be done. The why. The Father seeks true worshipers. That's why. And he said it right there at the end. The Father seeks such that would worship him. He seeks them. He seeks them. He's looking. Well, and why does he do that? Because what results from true worship, folks? The connection with the manifest power and presence of God. And let me tell you what. If you get the presence of God up in your midst, things have to move. There can be nothing that can exalt itself against that knowledge that will be, not be laid low. And, and, and there can be no darkness that the light will not manifest. Hallelujah. So what is worship? It's the process whereby we connect to the presence of God. That's a very simple tweet too. It's the process whereby we connect to the manifest presence of God. So when we come to worship, folks, we're literally, what we're doing is, is we're coming from a perspective of, of making a decision in this dimension, in this dimension, To put a focus on the realities that are here, that are here with God, the spiritual realm. And once we, by faith, come to Him, and we make that connection, then the infinite love, mercy, grace of God, provision for healing, everything that is a reality there but you don't see as a reality here, can be made manifest now. Amen. Hallelujah. What is or the why of worship? It's the deepest expression of relationship, which is the avenue through which God delivers his provision. That's what we just talked about. The focus must center on the father and extend to Jesus all through the Holy Spirit. The focus of worship must be on the father, extend to Jesus all through the Holy Spirit. That's really the essence of the process of worship. Okay, will you stand with me, folks? Praise the Lord. Man, we covered a lot of ground this morning. I worked myself up in a sweat. I mean, my clothes are just soaked down. Praise the Lord. Can we just choose to make this a place of worship and pause and focus on God? Hallelujah. Father, we choose to do that right now. We, we do focus on you. God, the answers to all questions are, are, are with you. The, the provision for all needs met are with you. We stop right now, and we take authority over everything that would exalt itself against that knowledge. We declare that we focus solely on the reality of your wor- what your word says for us. Those great and precious promises whereby we will participate in the divine nature. We use them as buckets, if you will, to dip down into the well of your provision and bring forth that provision into this dimension. Whether that's provision for healing, that is a right now reality. Jesus, you bore our sicknesses. You bore our sins in your body, we're not dying to sin, living to righteousness, and with your stripes we were healed. And if we were healed, then we are healed. Hallelujah. That's the reality in the spirit realm. But God, we may not see it right now in the physical dimension. But Lord, because we stop and choose to make this time and this place a place of worship, we by faith reach forth into the spirit realm and we contact you by faith, O God, knowing that you're, Father God, good and your mercy endures forever. And Father, we worship and focus upon you knowing that your word is above every circumstance. Hallelujah. And we just thank you, Father, for the precious Holy Spirit who is within us and will help us to put the focus. Help us, Holy Spirit, to understand who we are first and foremost as a spirit being before anything else so that we can be able to function and move and make a quicker connection and a bigger connection and a more manifest connection with the Father God who is in spirit. Hallelujah. And I just thank you right now, Holy Ghost, that you would seal this word, Father, in the hearts of those that have received it. And that you would bring forth, Father, a manifold harvest, Father. 30, 60, 100-fold return, Father, on these. That would be careful, Father, to nurture, to focus upon it. Stir up our hearts, O God, to those that would ask with me. That when we lay even in our beds, O God, that our heart would instruct us, Father God, in these things. Our heart, our spirit, would instruct us as, Holy Ghost, you bring these things back to our remembrance. As you do so well. And I just thank you, Father God, for anyone this morning, Holy Spirit, that you would draw right now anyone that does not know the Father God. And I would ask this morning, if you are sitting there indifferent to what I'm saying because you don't understand a concept of relationship with God, then I would ask that you would respond to the simple message of good news and that is you don't have to sit there any longer in your sins and you can let the past be past as last and you can be press on to the mark that God has set for you in Christ Jesus and not that mark that you've set for yourself that you're never going to attain the things God's uh, uh, made for you to attain without him if you feel a drawing in your heart if the drawing is there for you to just turn from where you've been going in this process of worship, then I call you forth down here to be, stand with me. If it's just to turn from the way that you've been going in your attitude towards worship and turn into the Father God and the simplicity of relationship that worship is to, become, is to come from, then I invite you to come forward. Please do not let another moment go forth that if you do not know the Lord Jesus as your Savior, that you don't receive him this morning. You you invite him into your heart, and you walk out of here in relationship with the Father. Hallelujah. Father God, I will be faithful. Father, our leaders are faithful, Father, to give the opportunities. Oh, we thank you and trust the Holy Ghost who is the one who would draw. Just give you another moment. Please come forward. Jesus gave his all, was stripped to nakedness, was beat. Thank you, Father God. We just praise you and thank you for the reckless mercy of of our Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you this morning. We just worship you and just thank you. Can we worship him for just, just take a moment. Father, we worship, we adore We praise and thank you that we go forward right now filled with the Holy Spirit. We go forward right now filled with the anointing to speak to ourselves. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God, for the goodness and the mercy. For the goodness and the mercy, which is our God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God. We just praise and honor And reverence the name of Jesus Christ, who's above every name. We bow our knee and our heart now, Father, unto Jesus. Not that day that everyone will bow, but even now. Oh, Jesus, we proclaim you as Lord. There is none beside you. There is none beside you. We hold fast to the confession. Jesus, of you, our Lord and Savior. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, thank you for sticking with me for an additional 15 or 20 minutes and past the normal time that we try to stop. And we'll see where things go next week, but praise the Lord. Thank you for coming, and you all have a blessed week.